Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. many ways to interact with free birth society. These include our incredible offering, The Complete Guide to Free Birth, which is the most comprehensive online course available on how to give birth in your power. We also have a beautiful free birth meditation program called the Sovereign Birth Meditation Series, designed to help you release your fears and actualize your dream birth. Our latest course is called Through the Veil, a profoundly personal, radical pregnancy companion program by Yolanda Norris Clark that offers the opportunity to travel with Yolanda as she moves through the last trimester of her most recent pregnancy and invites you into her birth room to witness the birth of her eighth child. And if you're looking for a deeper connection and the opportunity for sisterhood in community with radical, like-minded women, the Free Birth Society private membership is for you, and you can apply on our website to become a member. We also offer personalized one-on-one transformational coaching with a focus on learning the tools to move out of victim consciousness and towards self-responsibility. Skills that translate to freedom, not only in the context of birth and mothering, but in every area of life. And finally, we are offering all of you, our amazing listeners, the free gift of Yolanda's 20-minute Birth Affirmations audio recording, a gorgeous, soothing meditation that every pregnant mother should have. So just head on over to our website at freebirthsociety.com, sign up, and Yolanda's affirmations will be sent directly to your inbox. Yolanda here, and I'm so excited to tell you about my latest endeavor with Free Birth Society. It's called Through the Veil, and it's an invitation for you to join me on the most profoundly intimate experience of my life and yours, the journey of moving through the birth process into the underworld of birth to be reborn as a new mother into a new family once again. Through the Veil is a very raw, very real third trimester birth and postpartum week by week program that includes 17 videos in which I discuss exactly how I prepare for my free birth, including so many of the messy, emotional, logistical, and relational issues that aren't often talked about in the conventional prenatal context. Through the Veil also includes the hour plus long documentary of my eighth baby's birth an incredibly loving, incredibly vulnerable, gritty, agonizing, naked, and beautiful family birth that I'm so, so proud of. I really look forward to you journeying with me through the veil. Today on the show, we have my darling friend Katya sharing with us the story of her third pregnancy and birth. We talk about her wild pregnancy, the days leading up to her free birth, the highs and lows of her labor, and her immediate postpartum. And she lets us know if she did or did not have the orgasmic birth she was hoping for. And we have something super special to be sharing with you today, Katya's gorgeous birth video. She's inviting all of our listeners today to head over to our Instagrams, either hers or mine. She's at Nurturing Novas. I'm obviously at Free Birth Society and find the links in our profiles. Sign up and receive her jaw-droppingly stunning birth video in your inbox. It's one of the most well-done, creative, epic captures of free birth that I've ever seen. Okay, enjoy our conversation.
Hey, girl. Hi. I'm so excited to be doing this. And there's so much to celebrate. I, you know, we were just chatting before we were recording that we're kind of freaking out that the retreat is full, our upcoming mother love and retreat, and just just feeling the um, the sensations of what that feels like to have put this out into the world to the women that we know and love and and that follow us online and and that within just a couple months everyone got just such a full bodied yes and oh it just feels so good and i can't believe it's coming up so quickly it's just a a few months away and the retreat space is so incredible i wish we would do it again there but we won't because what else is incredible yeah we just uh i guess we're we're gonna announce it now that we just made the agreement together uh in in deep enthusiasm that we're gonna take our mother love and retreat uh that upcoming this winter will be in dominican republic Uh, next the next winter in 2021 is going to be on the island of bali in indonesia a place that katya and i both love very, very, very much and are excited to bring our families to and just, oh, it's such a fun little thing we've created. So mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. This is a pre, pre, pre plug (laughs) to come join us. If you've (laughs) always wanted to go to Indonesia, this is really the perfect way to come do it. I'm really excited Mm. about, I'm excited about something we haven't even created yet. (laughs) That's how creation works. I know. Just, just knowing that that's, that's our place. But yeah, we've been doing the welcome calls with all the women and I just feel so full by getting to know these women and seeing what we're going to create together in this beautiful place. Oh, it's going to be so good. Anything else about the retreat that we should say? I think that's about it. We'll, We'll leave it veiled in mystery. Yeah, stay tuned. We will be celebrating. And I'm just trying to even think, what, what was my birth like? It was too- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. <laughs> I have seen some beautiful photos and I've met your baby. So I know, I know that it happened. Um, and for any backstory here, I, it's worth giving that uh, Katya is one of my dear friends. And I always have to tell this story about how we, how we became friends because I love it so very much that she was pregnant with her second son, uh, Phoenix, and was aligning with her truth to free birth. Uh, she had a midwife attended birth with her first. And you can listen to this podcast of Phoenix's birth. Uh, it's a part one and a part two because we couldn't stop talking. It was our first time really uh, talking in real time, I think. And so we chatted for quite some time. And uh, that is on the first season of the Free Birth Society podcast. So go listen to that and catch up with uh, who Katya was. Uh, you know, what, what is that now? Two years ago. Um, I love, one of my favorite things about Katya and I's friendship is that our friendship actually got started by her emailing me asking if she could pay me $100 uh, if there was somewhere <laughs> where she could send money because she appreciated the podcast so very much. And it was the first time anyone had done that. And I just thought it was so sweet. And I really treasure that we started or you started our friendship in reciprocity and mm-hmm. in, in honoring um, something in me that you, uh, that you were really appreciating and, and now has become, you know, blossomed into this really sweet, sweet friendship. It is funny to think of it now, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. I was just like, who is this random person asking if she could give me money? Yes, you can. And who are you? <laughs> Yeah, it is funny. And now we've created this upcoming retreat together and we've, we've, you know, just held so much space for each other as, as we've journeyed into new, uh, new arenas of our womanhood in the last couple of years. I mean, so much has changed and grown and, and here we are today to uh, have you share the story of your most recent birth, this little surprise, precious, perfect addition to your life that, that, um, I'm just so excited to be able to witness this story in its entirety today and be able to offer it to to everyone who's been waiting with bated breath. Mm, well, thank you, Emily. And she did come as a surprise. I've talked a little bit about that on the on the podcast. So the 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 big surprise is 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 out. It is a girl. So after two boys, <laughs> it is a girl. And that moment truly remains the best moment of my life. That photo, we're going to have to 
share that photo with it. Oh, well, and so let's, so you kind of had double surprise there because it was a surprise pregnancy. And then this glorious surprise of a, of a little, of a little goddess in your life. So take us actually, I'd like to start with that, with the conception time and, um, and tell us a little bit about, about that interesting journey you and Rob went on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. I think some people were saying like, oh, tell us about your conscious conception. And I laugh because <laughs> it was not in exactly a conscious conception, but in a way it was because Rob took some time to reconnect and we made the intention to reconnect with each other as lovers because we have a business together, we co-parent and that piece can get lost and kind of dulled with with all the things life things that are going on so we literally rented a really cute airbnb uh here on the island with the you know ocean view and we reconnected if you know what i mean (laughs) and i just i mean i don't want to i don't want to get too graphic for graphic details you guys can come to to a honey talks podcast but plus i think most people know how babies are made <laughs> true true so rob did what <laughs> but i just remember i just remember he was about to come and we just were so connected i felt connected on a soul level and it was really good sex okay nice <laughs> and i just felt I, it felt different it was like wow, we are connected. He is my lover. He is my soulmate. Mm. This is really good. No, we didn't lose it. We still got it. And that made a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh man. Okay. So you're on this sexual escapade reconnection chapter after two babies pretty close together and, and finally, you know, creating this space. And then, and then what happens? Well, we surrender. <laughs> we surrendered to this thing. We were upset for maybe two and a half minutes because we... What, what were the first signs? The first signs. Oh, I got weepy. My boobs got engorged. And I just got that feeling. I mean, it's my third time. And yeah. secretly or not so secretly, I was excited. It was not in our plans, but my body welcomed this little soul immediately. And it was interesting. My parents were visiting at that time. It was the last day that they were here. And I peed on a stick and my dad was doing some gardening and I came just full of this energy. And he looked up at me, my dad, and he was like, what are you going to do? What do you mean? (laughs) Thank you for asking, but we're going to have another baby. (laughs) It was just so much joy. I remember, I remember you WhatsApping me. I think you sent me a photo of the pregnancy yeah. test and it was just such a quick yes, you know, even, even, even in the surprise and in the, you know, this wasn't necessarily what you thought was going to be your plan right now. Um, you just, you just embraced it so quick and it was such a yes, so quick. It was a wild pregnancy and what I can say about that is it was just my regular life. Hmm. We just continued living our regular life. So for any women trying to wrap their mind around like, right. well, what, is it, what does it mean? Like how wild do I have to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a lovely term, wild pregnancy that I enjoy very much, but I was just living my life. So you just live your life. You listen to your body. If you need to eat or nap or, or cry or pray, any of those, those kinds of things. And then a big part of it is, is having community around you. So again, for anyone listening to this podcast, we are your community right now. You are in community with us, with me and Emily and all the other women listening to this, to this podcast. We are together weaving, creating an energetic space that is one big online virtual village prenatal. So hmm. this is your your prenatal care, so to speak. And and that's how I felt. Being isolated on the island, I was kind of used used to, to, to feeling this way, that I, um, I I don't have a community of local women to go to, to touch my belly uh, and talk about what's, what's good, what's not good. But, but I was getting that through, through your podcast, through 
um, women who, yeah, who are close to me. And so that to me was my wild pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that the wildness is the choice to not medicalize a pregnancy, you know, to not give our authority away and to create uh, what is, you know, what, what is for the vast majority of people, a very naturally occurring physiological mammalian, you know, normal experience um, to not compartmentalize that and be different. Like you're saying, it's an integrated aspect of our motherhood and of our womanhood and and my observation is that the more children a woman has the more natural the more naturally it gets integrated you know so really loving mm-hmm. that with your third and with um with the i guess i'm going to call it an expectation because we don't really know that this would be your last it was so beautiful to witness you kind of go like all in with it, you know, yeah. like with, with Phoenix, you kind of like mostly did it and there yeah. was still some stuff to work out. I mean, there's mm-hmm. always stuff to work out. Come on. <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? You got the ultrasound or you, you know, it was, it was different. And then, and then I'd love for you to speak to like the conscious choices of doing things, um, even more wild or integrated this time. Right. Yeah. Mm. Each pregnancy you're met with, you're dealing with the same set of what ifs. So although this was my first, my third time and people in my family and in my community, it was kind of like, ah, yeah, she, she's got it. She's done this before. All good. It's not quite like that because even though it's my, it's my third time and I loved Yolanda's episode, it was her eighth time. And still she, she was dealing with the, the very same feelings of fear and, and actually being terrified and having to, to integrate all of that and live through all that. So you deal with the same set of what ifs. You're, you're contemplating mortality. You are contemplating what it's going to mean to cross that threshold into the, I don't know, shamanic underworld of birth and death. So in one way, does it, it does get easier, right? Because I, I know my body knows how to birth. But on the other hand, it still was terrifying to, to be there and exciting and all of, all of the things rolled into one. So the, the work is, is still kind of, kind of the same. You have to go within and mm-hmm. connect with your baby, connect with your body and listen. What message does my body, baby have does this baby have for me how does this particular baby want to come into the world and I'm not going to be what's the word uh just kind of like brush it off I can't think of the word right now but oh I've done this before so I'm just gonna eat Mm. ice cream and watch Netflix right taking responsibility is um is is a is a huge part of 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 the wild pregnancy because you you're not relying on somebody telling you, yes, your baby is okay. And then you just keep going living your life until the next doctor's appointment so right. that the doctor can tell you, oh, your baby's okay. So you're checking Or, or all- you're anemic and take these pills. You know, I mean, any any of the correction that, that, you know, mainstream relies on doctors to be constantly correcting, that is a completely internal process, really. And I love that you said it's your third and so my body knows how to give birth. And, and my first thought when you said that was, well, your body knew how to give birth the whole time, even with your first, but now your mind knows how to give birth. And mm-hmm. that's something that because you've been in these waters before, even though every birth is so different, of course, and every baby has its own story, of course, um, it's, like, it's like after you've gone through, especially a positive birth experience, which you obviously have, your mind can catch up with it you know, in this way that is so specific to, you know, women who've already had children that um, even though there's still work and there's still doubt and there's still, like you said, that's so wise, like we still always have to contend with the what ifs that your mind knows how to give birth. You have a reference point of positive, beautiful birth 
and internally, like somatically it is in you. And so it's so, so interesting. And I'm so excited for when I'm at that place too, of like, so now what, what's the work now? (laughs) What's the, what's the next layer of this onion that we're peeling away? Yeah. Yeah. And the mind is a bitch. Okay. (laughs) The mind. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, and so, you know, a real controlling bitch. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And as much as I was trying to let go and just enjoy everything, of course, I was thinking those, those, those thoughts like, well, what is it, what is it going to be? I mean, my first birth was about what, 14 hours or something like that. And then Phoenix's birth was seven hours. So is this one going to be three or two, or maybe I'll sneeze and it'll just pop out. (gasps) How long was it? (laughs) It ended up being about five hours. Hmm. So not long, obviously, but to me, it felt so long. Did you go into it with an expectation that it would only be two hours or something? Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the birth, I, I have just a couple of specific questions. So tell me about, because there's all this energy around, you have two boys and what's the you know biological sex of this baby. And there's just so, how can there not be, right? There's so much energy after, after two children of the same sex. Uh, tell me about your choice not to get an ultrasound and, and how you kind of embraced that mystery. Yeah, it was a trip, man. <laughs> because I did really want a girl. I really prayed that I would have the opportunity to walk with a a woman, a soul, a female soul so that we can heal together and mm. watch each other her watch me grow into a crone and me watch her grow into a beautiful, beautiful woman. And, and then, and I just really prayed for that. I want that very, very much. And so I had to let go of that because it could have been a boy and Rob's family makes boys. <laughs> his, uh, so his parents have nine grandchildren. And so this was the first girl. Oh, snap. Yeah. Wow. I just had to let go. And I knew that I love this baby. Of course, we're going to love this baby no matter what. And the best moment to find out is when you've walked through fire <laughs> of the birth process together. And that's when, when you find out. It's that simple. It's a no-brainer for me. Because if it was a boy, that's what I wanted to meet, meet the soul for the first time. And Exactly. And yeah, just to expand on that, that's something that Yolanda and I talk about a lot that we've never witnessed biological sex disappointment. We've never witnessed that (laughs) at, at at a birth. And I have definitely witnessed it a ton with women I've walked with prenatally. Um, and that makes total sense because your mind has time to expect and want, and then have that reality revealed all the while in your pregnancy where you can just be in the mind. But, you know, just to break it down, if no one's ever considered this before, there's there, like, like Katya just said, there's no, there's no more adaptive and wiser time to find out the, the sex of your child than after you've just given birth, uh, particularly in an undisturbed, ecstatic, you know, blissful birth, like Katya just experienced, um, because you are at an all-time high of all the hormones that literally bond you um, and literally uh, you know turn on all of the um, hormones that make you love and protect and and take ownership of this little sweet being. And so it couldn't matter less at that time. Um, you're you're the most open and the most available and the most tuned in you know, hormonally that you'll ever be, uh, particularly to your newborn. And so um, what a gift, just what a total gift that you gave your little daughter. Um, It's just so special. And it's smart. (laughs) You know, it's smart to set yourself up, especially knowing you have two boys and that you wanted a girl. It's so smart of you preemptively to set yourself up to find out in the heart of your 
orgasmic bliss, ecstatic, you know, explosion of hormones um, where it really couldn't matter less because that gets created as a foundation. Um, and I've yet to, I mean, they might be out there, but I've yet to witness a woman who does that and then has anything um, on the spectrum of disappointment. Boom. Boom. <laughs> okay. So when you're ready, take me into, into the end of your pregnancy and in your birth story. Oh my gosh. It was honestly, the late pregnancy was so hard. Yeah. It was. It was so hot. It was hot. <laughs> it was, so it was August in the Caribbean. Oh, I, so I was confined to our bedroom. And what's toughest was obviously not knowing when the, the baby's going to come as everyone experiences this almost but also the guilt because I do have two small children and I'm very lucky that I have wonderful help. So they are loved and cared for, but I felt super guilty that they, I wanted to hang out with them and I couldn't as much as I, as I wanted to. Um, and Just because of your own discomfort. Yeah. 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 I, I had to be, I had to be in, in the bedroom. Um, and Ah, oh, the baby was scratching. She was like, I thought she was like, is this a little raccoon? What is this? But she, I guess she kind of had her head on her head. And that's how she sleeps too. And she would kind of claw Ooh. at me. I don't like that. <laughs> no, you're, you should see your face right Ooh. now. But it was creepy AF. Yeah. It would yeah. start around 11 o'clock at night. And I would be like, oh, please have mercy. I would be laying in bed and it's like, oh, here we go. And uh, Rob would laugh at me, but it, it really felt like there was a little raccoon. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> I'm totally getting creeped out right now, right? I'm sure it'll happen to me eventually. I had an anterior placenta, so it muffled so much movement and and any of those little, yeah. So I didn't have to deal with that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got to say, because this is hilarious and also enraging, and because we have a lot of people who enjoy birth stories, um, I'm going to say, I watched a lot of TV. I watched more TV than I feel (laughs) like it's okay to admit. But I was like in this weird space of just, I couldn't deal with real life stuff. If Rob came to me and asked me about an eat work email, I would just be like, no, please. I don't, I don't, I can't make any decisions. I am just literally working on Surviving. Surviving, yes, and crossing this portal. So please just... And you got high as a kite in this pregnancy, like by the seventh week, I feel like. I mean, by nine weeks, anytime we checked in, you were like, I'm high as a kite. So I think that's really interesting too. And Yolanda spoke about this too at the end of her pregnancy, just the, the intense... Uh, portal dwelling and traveling and that your spirit kind of become can become fairly ungrounded because mm-hmm. you're kind of getting pulled into yes. the hill. And so, yeah, I just love that image. And I, I remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I remember, you know, checking in with you and it just being this very, uh, you know, it just really, my, my observation was that you were really trying to, or uh, not trying, that you were really allowing for what it was and mm. that it, that as it does, especially the longer you carry that it just kind of took you and that yeah. you needed to just be holed up and watching stupid TV and, <laughs> and, you know, crying at work emails. Like that's so perfect. That's so, that's such a shared experience, you know, by women everywhere, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't normally watch TV. So it's funny that I would just pick random things to watch and then there would be birth scenes and, Rob would be like, babe, you know this is going to make you mad. Yeah. Don't watch this. And it's just hilarious what, what birth looks like in movies. Like, do you ever watch Grey's Anatomy? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a total guilty pleasure. But earlier, yeah, earlier uh, seasons. And bizarre. I picked it up and there was one birth episode where Meredith is having a baby and of course there's a power outage or whatever yeah 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 and it's so funny because she's she's laying on mm-hmm. you know in a room like on this this uh, sofa thing or what the bed thing and there's a resident who with a very stern look on their face puts their fingers inside and it's like oh. oh my gosh you cannot push 
the baby is presenting breach. And Meredith, who's supposed to be uh, an actual brilliant brain surgeon, goes, right. oh, no, what does this mean? <laughs> you know? Like, or what about, did you uh, see the one episode where they have to perform a C-section at her house in a power outage, like a different season? But, you know, this is the thing. I, I think about this with Grey's Anatomy all the time because it's also a great a guilty pleasure of mine as well, that obviously men, I mean, I know a woman does direct it, but, like, men run Hollywood, obviously. And, and it has to be dramatic. It has to be an emergency. It has to be, I mean, it's drama, right? The whole thing is that TV is drama. So what, what fascinates me particularly about that show is that they have like all medical, you know, shows like ER used to, they have people on their staff to check in with about how accurate the scenes are, you know, like to make sure that they're using the medical language correctly and all of this and all of these women fired. (laughs) Right. And well, but also all of these women have had birth. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's not like they're having free births, but it, it does always fascinate me. Like, why isn't anyone speaking up? Like, why isn't someone unwilling to do this scene? You know, like, wouldn't that be cool to be like, no. Yeah. Anyway. Have you seen, this is actually a really good show, And with an E? I didn't like it, but yes. You didn't? I'm not a softy enough. Okay. Well, I totally got sucked into that one and it is so sweet. Until the damn birth scene. Oh no. Yeah. You can't get out of it. I watched And with an E when I was immediate postpartum in Hawaii while I did vaginal steaming every night. And my mom and Johnny and I would, I would steam and they would hang out in the living room and we'd all watch Anne with an E. Did you see the birth episode? Uh-uh. Oh my God. Okay. So just really quickly because it's so ridiculous. So somehow the story takes, uh, the story comes to Trinidad. Okay. Where like the, one of the guys who's like 17 ends up in Trinidad. Okay. He's off of a ship. He's exploring this island. And what do you know? He's going to be a hero because there is a pregnant woman who's like kicked out of her house and she's having contractions. And he says, don't worry, little lady. Takes her to some dark place in a market. And do you know what he says? He actually says, I've done this before. I've seen cows give birth. I've helped cows give birth. He actually... (laughs) So he washes his hands and helps her have a baby and gives her the baby. And it's just so... Barf! This 17-year-old white kid on an island. Yeah, an outlander too. They have some, like, the baby's breech. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's no midwife. This is totally going to be a free birth. But of course, it's super dramatic. I mean, even in the headlines recently, I mean, this happens all the time, but recently there was a um, some famous baseball player. It was, the headline was, so-and-so delivers his baby at home. And there was no motherfucking mention of the woman who birthed that baby. Mm. It was this male baseball player delivered his baby. There, the mother didn't exist. Wow. That's the headline. This happens all the time. It is bizarre. Anyway, back to your story. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about my story? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I go to 42 weeks. Did you and, really? Yeah. Yeah. Or was it almost 42 weeks? I went to almost 42 weeks. Okay. And that was the longest pregnancy yeah. of all. And it really felt like I was going to sneeze and the baby was going to come out, honestly. I'm a, a raccoon, one mm, of the two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, yeah, we were prepared for, for weeks before. We kind of slid the bed over to a corner and Rob bought a little kiddie pool. I think it cost maybe $40. It had a little colorful octopus, octopi um, on it. <laughs> And what I loved about the start of my labor um, is I put a bunch of pillows into the pool and it felt so wonderful to just rest in all kinds of ways supported, mm. supported by the pool. So we actually didn't put water into it. Um, oh, I was wow. picturing with water and oh, pillows. Exactly. I was like, that's so, I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I totally thought you meant a full pool. It's like, okay. 
strange. <laughs> it's been okay. I've heard worse. Like, yeah. Okay. So you did it before the water and you were just kind of moving around. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I made a lemon drink from the, from that book, you know, the beautiful book, 40, what is it? Postpartum with recipes. Based the first 40 days. Yes. Thank you. The first, the first 40 days. There's a really lovely recipe in there and I just really wanted to make it. So I loved having just this delicious sensation in my mouth that was just tart and sweet and salty all at once. So I would highly recommend um, to, to look that up. So when did your labor start? At what point in the day? It was around, I'd say like one o'clock in the afternoon that I oh. started starting to feel like, you know, something is happening. And it was very similar with Phoenix. Started in early afternoon and then basically by, mm, I think, nine o'clock, we, we had our baby. But this started, yeah, so I started getting sensations, but things took a really long time to really get going. And I found that frustrating because I was, again, I had expectations. Yeah. And how did it feel navigating your older boys? How was all that? Did you just have your your support team downstairs with them or how did you yeah. set that up? Yeah, I was totally open to them being a part of the birth if they wanted to. They are four and two and they were not really interested. So that was fine. So they were just downstairs with support? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Rob and I were watching Gaia. We were watching documentaries about aliens and ancient civilizations <laughs> with my early labor. That's the only thing that I could handle. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And so things got started and I had... Mm, if you tell me that you watch TV your entire labor, <laughs> I No, I had to disconnect. I know. I am talking about television quite a lot in this episode. I was okay. with my one and only beginning. time. Yeah, I was like, damn, the photos really cut out the screen the entire time. <laughs> now the birth story is totally different. You're in a birth pool with pillows. You're soaking yeah. wet pillows watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors. Very conscious birth. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little Palo Santo burning. On the yeah, side. it's fine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I really had the sense that I wanted to be alone as much as possible. And I knew just from the meditation that I meditations that I'd had that my baby, my baby and I wanted to just do this thing together kind of alone as much as possible. And Rob is so wonderful and supportive about all of this. He was like, yeah, cool. Don't worry. I'm not going to even get close because I really wanted to catch the baby myself this mm. time. Rob, I was on all fours with Phoenix and he asked me if I wanted to catch the baby, but I just, I didn't know how that would even work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, he knew and then that did, that the, really did the midwife catch Zion with your first? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Again, I was kind of like in a squatting position and I was holding on to Rob's knees for the first birth. And so the midwife did did catch Zion. So for me, it was my chance. Yeah, Nobody that's such a big Yeah, that's such a big deal. Cool. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so I um I have a, a my best friend Karina, who lives here on the island. Um, I really wanted her to take gorgeous images. And so it was kind of a, yeah, a tough decision because I, I wanted to be alone, but also I wanted beautiful photos and we are very, very close. And she's also had, um, uh, an unassisted or assisted, but, but natural and medicated birth. So I knew that she wouldn't be bringing extra baggage mm. with her into my birth. And that, that felt great. So she came and the understanding was that they would let me, let me, that I would labor in, in the bedroom and they would be hanging out in the office and just poking their head in a little bit uh, to see if I needed anything. And what I have to say about that is it was noticeable anytime that someone was witnessing me, the sensations were stronger. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And because they were in and out and they were, you know, very, very quiet and very, very respectful, 
but it was still a perceptible mm-hmm. uh, difference. So I loved laboring by myself. I mm. loved it so much. The first, I would say, mm, three hours or so were ecstatic. I had a smile on my face. I was mm. moaning with pleasure. I was enjoying between waves. Um, I had a few essential oils. I had magnolia and jasmine mm. and beautiful music. And it felt sensual and delicious. And I loved it. I loved it. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. Like this, this is what I'm going to do. And then the baby's just going to come out and I'm going to be one of those women who <laughs> is going to be so graceful. There will be no poop, no drama. There was poop and drama. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's birth. Because <laughs> it's birth. Exactly. Anyone who says there's no poop and drama, they just edited it out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I do have to ask while it's on my mind. Uh, I have been on your podcast where I think we talked about this. I don't think it was on mine. So go listen to that if you're unfamiliar with what I'm about to say. But you had a real curiosity around calling in an orgasmic birth. And kind of as a joke, but also totally serious. I told you, well, you totally can have one. Just make yourself orgasm at the beginning of labor and then boom, you can claim that title. So I have to ask. I did. Nice! (laughs) (laughs) I can officially call this episode Katya's Orgasmic Birth. (laughs) It's all in the fine print, hey? That's awesome. Uh, yeah, super early, super early in my labor. I was like, I better get off. Yeah, you gotta do it now. <laughs> because then, you know, it would be disappointing if, if Emily asked me. Oh, so, that's funny. Yeah. But you, it, did it, you did it for the podcast. I did it for, for the label. I did it, yeah, shamelessly to, to draw. So were you, were you alone or were you with Rob when you said that? I was that? alone. So that was part of your spending time alone and creating the space and had your oils and your sensual... Um, yeah, calling yes. it all in. And, okay, nice. So first three hours, a lot of alone time. A lot of alone time, and uh, it was it was really beautiful. And I want to say, I uh, back to the poop for a second. <laughs> I heard somebody say, "Don't have anybody at your birth in front of whom you would not feel comfortable pooping." And uh, yeah, Rob had to catch some 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 stuff out of the water, and mm-hmm. Karina you know, was very very sweet and just you know with the discretion of how she was taking me photos. And so, um, yeah, I, I just, I felt really good about that. And I even told, um, told Karina, and I mean, Rob is no stranger to this, but say, look, there may be poop and thank you for being there. And yeah. Try not to catch it on film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it really felt wonderful to have people that I, that I really trusted. Um, and I, and I also have to mention that I really felt presence of ancestors and for some people listening this might be kind of like little woo-woo wishy-washy but I was having experiences in my pregnancy especially late pregnancy where I would get these visions and it's not really visions but like remembering of, of seeing some some images and they were filled with these dark-skinned women who looked very much like they belonged on this island. They were ancestors of this island is how I can interpret that. And the messages were, the message was very simple. Mm, We will hold the space for you to give birth on this island. We just want to be remembered. Just remember us, just see us as we hold you. And I felt them kind of far back, not in the room, but it was, it was such an incredible experience because I don't know how on earth we ended up on this island. You know, I'm of European, Eastern European ancestry and lived in Canada and ended up here on this, on this island for a reason that my children are born. I mean, this is part of their now story, uh, being born on this island with this energy. And so I felt... Uh, very, very grateful, and it, it was it was a mystical experience, um, which which helped me feel so so wonderful to be to be alone. Yeah, and then the the sensations, the real sensations started. I think about three three hours into it, 
And I was really drawing on all of the wisdom of the birth affirmations that I'd collected over the years. And I loved, 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 loved Yolanda's 20-minute meditation, which I believe women can enjoy as a gift, right? Yeah. For, for signing up. Uh, to Go to our website. Up. Yeah, go to freebirthsociety.com and opt in right now as you're listening. And you will receive this incredible meditation. I've really not heard anything like it. Yeah, with it's Yolanda's nice. uh, silky. Oh my voice. god! I know. So I had that on repeat. Nice. Maybe about three hours in, and that helped me um, a lot. But it felt frustrating because I was like, "Well, well they're just just pop out now. <laughs> just what we you know. What? Why is there so much sensation? Um, <laughs> why? Why? Oh, why?" <laughs> And the pushing was so long. My pushing stage with the Zion was, I think, maybe about 20 minutes. With Phoenix, too, from the time that I was in transition. Um, and I really knew that I was in transition. Everything got super, uh, like, I just got present in the moment. Like, this was happening. Also, he came out in three pushes. Wow. And with Aluna, it was over an hour over an hour, I felt like my body was pushing and nothing was happening. And I just felt like kind of like a trapped animal. Like, what do I have to do? Mm-hmm. What do I claw at to, <laughs> to get this to happen? And at that point, it was really nice to, to have Rob. He was so supportive. I was kind of, we had our arms kind of in a wrestle hold. <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was so wonderful holding that space for me. Um, yeah, it was super intense. And I just kept reminding myself that, that this sensation, I, I need to let it pass through me and not create kind of like a kink in a hose. Mm. And that analogy was really helpful for me this time that I just, I was like, you know, where in my body am I holding? Where in my body am I resisting this? And it wasn't any easier really <laughs> because you have to let go to the point where you feel like I am dying. I am going to die. And it doesn't even feel like you're being dramatic. It's just what's happening hmm. when you're roaring and, and pushing into this. And I, I was definitely vocal um, probably over that last hour, just roaring and roaring and roaring um, one, yeah, one sensation at a time. And one thing that I loved about the preparation that I, that I did kind of the mental preparation is I wanted my mantra to be fuck yes <laughs> to every sensation, no matter how challenging to say, mm, I'm stretching, I'm opening, I am I'm opening, I'm stretching as big as I need, big and glorious. And ah, I'm just, I'm expanding, I'm stretching and I love it. Give me more, give me more. So it was kind of like that. And I felt like the, because my birth, my, the first part of the birth was quite sensual, mm-hmm. that that kind of like the fuck yes of mm-hmm. it really helped um, carry me through this time were you actually saying that out loud mm, no but I was saying that in my head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I was definitely saying in my head and no what I said out loud was probably like oh, <laughs> oh god help me <laughs> <laughs> maybe I tried to say fuck yes and what came out is I can't <laughs> you're like wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute this is not yeah Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, pushing was hard. I didn't feel like there was progress. I didn't care if I was going to die. I didn't care if I was going to tear, you know, that, that space. And you know that the only way out is through. Like, that's just it. So, <laughs> sorry, girl. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. The hardest moment of the entire birth was should have been maybe the most exciting one when I could feel the head. Mm. And so I, um, I loved kind of, I had my hand between my legs, 
quite a lot. I just felt like it, it was cupping my my vulva, cupping my yoni, and it felt really nice, like protective in in the water. And a quick side note. I took the free birth society course, which if you don't have it, please, please buy this course. It's worth everything. Well, I, ha- I have it. <laughs> Incredible. Again, go to freebirthsociety.com, buy this course. And I got so much value out of it, even though it was my third time. Mm. So much value. And there's a video where Yolanda talks about one of her births. And, and um, she talks about her, one of her biggest fears. Mm, the cord which, prolapse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which cord prolapse, that's when the cord, uh, well, prolapses, comes out before the baby does. And it is dangerous. And so uh, that kind of was in the back of my mind, but it wasn't even my fear. And then there was this moment when I reached my hand down and I felt what was definitely the head, and then I felt something else. And it felt like the slippery bulge was definitely, felt like like a cord. Mm. I, I don't know how to describe in words what went through me, but it was definitely a wave of um, adrenaline because... What was this supposed to do? If, if in that instant I realized that something might be wrong, quote unquote. But again, the only way out of this was through. I wasn't about to turn to anyone and ask for help. My baby was right there. And there was just this insane instinct to get my baby out, to roar my baby out. And so I can't even call that fear. I can't, maybe there wasn't enough time to interpret it as fear. And I roared. I roared like a mama lion to get my baby out. Turns out, he was her squished head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't the cord. Good. It was her head, um, but that was, yeah, that was, it was quite a moment. So how, okay, so A, it's kind of interesting that you like recreated Yolanda's story. Yeah. Right? Because, mm. spoiler, but in the in the course, she basically tells the same story that she was afraid of that and then thought she felt it, roared her baby out, and it wasn't that. So it's kind of interesting. So on some level, maybe som- somatically, it, it helped me to have that that imprint of, of her story that I, yeah, that it, like it was going to be okay. Yeah. And so... How long from the time that you thought you felt that till she was out? It was like a couple pushes? Mm, longer than that. Yeah. I'd say maybe 10 minutes. And that felt like a very long time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, I didn't, we didn't have a lot of water in the pool. And so I kind of stood up a little bit. It was um, on, on my knees and I kind of, got my bum out as she emerged and the whole thing kind of, kind of emerged, but I didn't have the fetal ejection reflex with any of my three. I really had to, (laughs) she made me really work for it. And I have this, I have this set of images that are so cool. One is when her head was out and then she, she actually traveled through air. She, she wasn't born right into water. She spent, you know, maybe what a fraction of a second uh, flying through water, and and I have this picture where it's just so she's in the water, and then just her hand is out. Oh, like hey, make sure you grab me. Yeah, <laughs> over here. So tell me about the moment when <laughs> you when you see her and when you meet her. Oh, pulling her out of the water was the most ecstatic, powerful moment of my entire life. And I hmm. savored it too. I knew she was, I could see her like kind of angry face. <laughs> she, you know, she really worked. She really worked um, with me. 
And it was just so glorious to, to, I reached out with both hands to slowly pull out her slippery body and bring her up. And I couldn't figure out where kind of her, her stuff was for me to check. And (laughs) (laughs) where do I look? (laughs) Wonderfulness. And I, I had a conscious moment of, I didn't want to quite check right away. Mm. Like, I just wanted to see the face of this baby because I was meeting this baby. I wasn't meeting the, you know, like, oh, are you a boy or a girl? No, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to, oh, to see this face, to say hi. And Rob thought that it was a boy. Rob was sitting, sitting next to me and um, I think, well, he remembers seeing balls, right? From, especially from Phoenix's birth. It was like, all right, about there's balls. But the yoni, I guess, can be kind of engorged totally. as, as, um, as the baby is born. And so it was dark. We, we didn't have much light in the room. By this time, it was about um, 11.30 in the night. And he totally thought that it was a boy. <laughs> and I love the moment because I saw it and I announced it. Oh, yes. I loved that because nobody took that moment from me, from yeah. me either. I didn't have, you know, a midwife or a doula. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, it's this. And he just put his, he just kind of slapped himself on the cheeks. And we have a picture of that too. That he was just in shock. Oh. And it was, it was the best. It was the best. And then did you just cry? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I love it. It was so it was so good. And I had this really beautiful music playing, like a binaural waves. So I don't know what kind of a frequency, but like a, fr- a frequency was playing that um, just helped keep the the space really it just felt sacred. It just felt really, really sacred. And it makes me think of a mm, something Sister Morningstar said. That really touched me. Just that pregnant and birthing women are the holiest on the planet, and that's that's really really describes how that all felt. Mm, good. Mm-hmm. So then what? Well, I've listened to every single podcast episode that you have, and I don't hear women talking about the afterbirth pains. So I don't know if this is a unique thing, but my afterbirth pains have gotten worse with each pregnancy and like fucking excruciating. Yeah. Sometimes they're worse than the birth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So with all my, all three of my births, I felt like it was difficult to really enjoy that first, first bonding hour. Yeah. Because every time that my uterus would contract, especially mm. when she latched, oh. it was just like, ouch. I had to kind of like moan, like vocalize into a pillow that it was so, uh, so painful. Well, it's uh, not, it's not a unique experience. You're absolutely right. And with every, with every baby, it tends to get more and more extreme. And Yolanda talks about it in length in her new course through the veil, cause it's her eighth. And so brutal for the first day. Um, but you're right. We don't talk about it enough on here. So yes, definitely a very normal and, and unfortunately to be expected with every baby. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was prepared and I, I got a tincture, which I think helped, but I think it's just really nice to have an after birth. I think it's called after ease. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have something on hand, even for the placebo effect sure what Um, else helped you like did you do a heating pad or not really just because it's so hot yeah true and then I knew that I would be starting steaming right away I really wanted to um to do a 30-day steaming kind of from from day two and for anyone interested um I would look to um, Kimberly Ann Johnson Maga Mama she did a study together with Kelly Garza of Steamy Chick. They actually funded a study, a postpartum steaming study where women would start immediate, in immediate postpartum 
Um, so that's a, a great resource to check. I, so I'm not an expert, so I don't want to say, you know, this is right for everybody, but I felt like it was right for me. And that, I feel like that helped that. Um, mm-hmm. And tell me about the birth of your placenta. And when your kids come in, like, tell me about the rest of that postpartum. Yeah, placenta. So with, I, again, I was expecting the placenta to just flop out like it did with Phoenix. With Phoenix, I felt like a total boss because I think maybe about half an hour after the birth, I just squatted over a ball and I came out and that was that. But with, with Aluna's birth, it was not like that. I kept trying, I'd say every half hour, and it just wasn't, it wasn't coming in. I just wanted it out. I just wanted it out of me, <laughs> this whole thing. And it took, I'd say maybe about two and a half hours. Yeah. And so that's the point where I actually cried. I'm not really a crier when I feel emotional, but I was just like, please, please, I release you. <laughs> just I release the shit out of you. Please come out. I want to rest. I think it's yeah. two o'clock in the morning or something like that. Mm. So finally it, it, it did come out and um, the cord was, was quite short. We kept it connected until the morning, mm. but it was just hard to maneuver. And I, I know the whole Lotus birth thing is really lovely for some people, but I just find it kind of, I don't know, like the cord is, cold Cold, yeah it like annoys the baby yeah yeah and I just wanted to hold my baby and not maneuver the totally so we um we did a burning ceremony I wanted I had this whole like nice photo in my mind that I wanted to do but we didn't do any of that Mm. because Karina had already gone or yeah yeah and we just we just wanted it over totally just kind of did it and um yeah, it was, it was really nice. She was breastfeeding and we talked the whole experience through and mm. she, didn't, she didn't even flinch. She was just so, um, yeah, she was, she was done. She was done with it too. Were your older boys a part of that? <laughs> it's actually really funny. So Zion asked to, to see the birth and we woke him up very gently because it was just before midnight that she was born. So I guess it was around midnight. He had been asleep for about three hours by this time. Mm. So he walks in with his pajamas. He's just kind of blinking his eyes and he goes, look, Zion, this is your little sister. Isn't she sweet? And he just goes, hmm. I don't want to. Yeah, fair just enough. really loud, like, <laughs> you know, very... Uh, insistent that he didn't want to be a part of it. So we just put him back to bed and he had no memory of that in the morning. <laughs> so in the morning, then everybody started loving on her and mm-hmm. the boys adore her. Mm. We, uh, we co-sleep. So Zion now moved to his bedroom. So he sleeps with Nana and Phoenix sleeps with us now. And so Phoenix literally wakes up at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and kisses her. Mm. He'll just kiss her head hard to kiss her feet it's so so beautiful to see and then you have a family bed right now with with phoenix and aluna Mm -hmm. wow how is that ah well it's not bad (laughs) because maybe i forgot what to compare it to (laughs) the one thing i have to say what does get easier um the nights the, like what do you what do you do with the nights right and feeding and just being watching the baby breathe and all that stuff so I remember with the first just having to literally feel felt I felt like I needed to get up and out of bed to feed him or sit up fasting mm. right and so yeah. by this time it's just like from day one yeah the, lay the baby I have an um kind of like a harder blanket that I fold to elevate the baby. So it's like her head is higher than her hips hmm. always just to help with, with, um, the, yeah, releasing bubbles and I feed her sideways. So the blanket is elevated so that her face is sideways at the level of my nipple. It's right from kind of the way that my body and my breasts are and we sleep and it's so magical. 
Yeah. I have um, a salt lamp so I can kind of see the outline of her face always. And we sleep so, so well since, since day one. Nice. Well, what else do you want to, what else do you want to share? Oh, Miss, Miss Orgasmic Birther. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't really have the orgasmic birth that I wanted, but I'm done. No more babies. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. (laughs) So how are you going to prevent more babies? I have the book, fam. Uh-huh. Right. Um, what does it stand for again? Taking charge of your fertility, Taking, fertility yeah. awareness method. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to starting a relationship with my cycle because I have never done that. Mm. And I really look forward to, um, I know that there's apps and I know that some women prefer to do it manually just to have a, kind of a, a little map of their cycle on, um, you know, by their bedside and you can chart things like even how you feel and mm-hmm. what, what, what does the fluid is like? Um, and of course the temperature. And, and so, so you've never done fam before. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you'll wait until you have ovulation signs or your blood and then get on that train. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fertility awareness method. I'm so excited for you to to start to play with it when your when your cycle returns, um, and even sooner. You know, being in touch with your ovulation signs because you could you can ovulate. You know, without mm-hmm. your blood, which mm-hmm. a lot of women have accidental pregnancies like that. Right. Um, you know, fertility awareness method when practiced correctly is I think they have it on in everything below the waist is 99.9 percent accurate, mm-hmm. effective rather. So. I mean, what does that say? That's more effective than condoms. You know, well, that's exciting. That's a, it's a great book. And for anyone who has never heard of fertility awareness, we have an episode on it from, I think the first season called fam. So you guys can go listen to that. And I love your story. I do have to ask, when are you releasing your epic birth video? Ah, what do you think? Maybe with this episode? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's so, 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 so good. Yeah. The, the birth video, I, I was shocked because Karina, my, my dear friend, I thought that she was just taking pictures, but she was actually taking clip video clips and what she made is incredible. It's the coolest birth video I've ever seen. It's black and white. Okay. I'm not going to say too much about it because you guys. It's like a music video. It's (laughs) not, it's not like a documentary or like a birth video. It's like a really, really badass artistic music video. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So if anyone wants to see it, come find opt into her newsletter. Yeah. Find me on Instagram, find the link in bio. Okay. So good. I'm so proud of you. That was fun. I can't wait to kiss on that baby. And I'm just so proud of you. And you did it. And you got your orgasmic birth. (laughs) 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 And yeah, thank you for your time today. Thank you. I love you. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. And don't forget to head over to our Instagrams and follow our link trees to get the video. Katia is at Nurturing Novas. I'm at Free Birth Society. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.